Everyone knows Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication between law enforcement and the community. Over the course of the last year, we have become painfully aware of the very negative headlines national media projected across the country regarding all law enforcement agencies. Over the last several months, and after numerous investigations, we have learned that these negative headlines did not tell the whole story, but rather painted a picture designed to diminish the rule of law and those whose job it is to enforce it. Law Matters wants you to hear all the facts so you can decide for yourself. As these investigations conclude, these stories will be featured on our Truth Matters page on lawmatters1030.org website. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Our guests today are running for mayor. We have Ed Ackerley and Zach Yenser. Did I do that right? You did. I've been practicing. And we did send an email invite to the mayor at the same time I invited these two gentlemen, and we received no reply. Okay, we have agreed on our format, and we're just going to start by doing some general questions. Yes or no would be the answer to these. Is that Ackerley and Zach Yenser your real names? Yes, it is. Are either of you friends with George Santos? No, but don't ask him. Vladimir Putin? (laughs) Have either of you been to Russia lately? We have not. No. Do you have any mystery campaign funds coming in? Not yet. No. Not yet. No. <laughs> I don't know I why I tell you if I did. We know the answer. Are you in debt to any foreign entity? No. <laughs> no. If you lose, are you going to declare... These were not the softball questions I thought we were going to have, you know. <laughs> if you lose, are you going to claim election fraud? No. Absolutely not. Okay. Do you think Tucson should be a sanctuary city? No, I do not. We decided that four years ago, and it was the right decision then, the right decision now. Okay. We flipped the coin to see who would go first. You have two minutes for an opening statement. Ed, you won the flip. Let's go. Well, thank you very much, Sherry, for having us here today. We really appreciate this. Uh, thank you for what you've done since 2016 here and in, in the Law Matters program. It's a great tribute to law enforcement. It's kind of interesting to be sitting here next to uh, you instead of you being on the other side of the, the table at the microphone. You know, I, I grew up in Tucson, born and raised here, lived here all of my life, and uh, have enjoyed a great uh, a family life and business life here in Tucson. And in 2019, when uh, our former mayor, Jonathan Rothschild, decided not to run again, um, I thought we were at a tipping point that we needed to do something uh, uh, about our city, and so I decided to jump in, and I jumped into the mayoral race as a never run before in in political office, and and jumped in and and ran, and uh, learned a lot in that first uh, uh, few months of of running for mayor, and uh, ran against the, the current mayor in the general election, and uh, garnered about forty percent. She got fifty, a little over fifty percent, and uh, thought I did pretty well. So when when the opportunity came up again this year to uh, to run again. I, I've thrown my hat in the ring. I believe that Tucson is, is at a tipping point. I believe that we uh, there's a lot that needs to be done. I think what's lacking is leadership, and that's what I bring to the table is leadership, uh, a long-standing support of law enforcement and uh, public safety. I believe that's the number one issue that uh, we need to address here in uh, 2023 and moving forward, uh, because that's the most fundamental issue that we can um, improve and support uh, Chief Kazmar and what's happening in our city. And we have a lot of challenges ahead of us, and I think uh, 
Uh, what I bring to the table is is a, a long record of leadership and community involvement that would uh, benefit uh, many people, uh, and specifically would help uh, the city manager implement the programs that uh, he's empowered to uh, run and help him manage that process in a powerful and productive way. Time. Zach? Well, good morning, Sherry. Thanks for the opportunity, Ed. Uh, good, to, uh, good to be with you as well. And it's nice to be on this side of the table. I ran a show called uh, Tipping Point, uh, as Ed mentioned, for a number of years on this station. Um, so it's good to be here. Uh, my wife and three small kids call Tucson home, and we love this city. And my hope is that when they're older and they grow up, they choose to call Tucson home as well. And uh, people choose to live here in Tucson, and they choose to live in city, great American cities across this country because of the promise uh, that they'll be able to afford to live there, to live here, uh, on the wages of good-paying jobs in safe, livable neighborhoods. And uh, I'm running for mayor because today in Tucson, we're not making good on that promise. Over the last five years, we've seen a 40% increase in rent, a 60% increase in the cost of buying a home. Uh, our economy continues to lag the region and the state and the nation pre-COVID, during COVID, and after COVID. And over the last two years, we've seen a 70% increase in homelessness while there's been a doubling in those on the streets experiencing mental health and, and substance abuse. Uh, and it's clear to me that the leadership and the policies that got us here will not get us out. I think we need a fresh, independent voice to steer us to our best future, uh, to turn down the noise from Washington, to bring us together again, uh, to get the work done. Uh, my decision-making will be driven by one question. I commit this to Tucsonans listening. Is it good for Tucson? Not politics, not personal ambition. Uh, I've had the joy of working in the private, public, and nonprofit sectors, and I know how they can work together uh, for the common good, and I'll bring that to the mayor's office. So I look forward to the next uh, hour talking about these issues and why Tucson is ready for uh, our independent candidacy here in November. Okay. Zach, you're running as an independent. What does independent mean to you? Yep. Uh, I'm a registered independent. I'm running as an independent. Uh, when I filed for office, and this is one of the reasons why I did it, but I heard it immediately from people across the spectrum, they're weary of the divisiveness uh, from the 10th floor uh, here in Tucson, divisiveness that has uh, politicized and brought national Washington politics to Tucson and prevented us from working together. Uh, I think that there's good ideas uh, on both sides of the aisle. It's the job of the mayor uh, to represent everyone. I think being independent means that I can ask and answer one question. Uh, is it, whatever it is, is it good for Tucsonans, period? Not politics uh, and not personal ambition. So I'm an independent to serve the, the people of Tucson. Ed, same question. I made the decision in 2019 to switch my party affiliation to uh, independent because I believe that uh, we should run our elections eventually if we can ever um, work this through the initiative process, uh, more like what uh, Sarita, Marana, uh, Oro Valley do. They they run uh, council people um, in a nonpartisan way and then select uh, from the candidate list of candidates the best candidates to uh, uh, govern the city. Uh, we've been stuck in this um, in this partisan divide between uh, parties and uh, one control of of you know if you look at the city council over the last uh, several decades the uh, one party control we're we're not really participating in 
in this uh, nonpartisan uh, way where we're looking at uh, uh, the same party being reelected over and over again. Now, I believe that an independent voice needs to come in because, to, to quote the Boston mayor... Time. Um, okay. From many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Clearly, city council experience doesn't qualify you or prepare you to be mayor. What makes you qualified? Leadership. I believe uh, my record of leadership over the last... Um, um, Oh, many decades, both in nonprofit and community organizations, but also in business. Uh, I have a doctorate in leadership. I teach leadership at the University of Arizona. Um, I've led many organizations over the years. I think what the council and the uh, mayor's office needs is uh, someone that can come in and lead us through these terrible challenges that we have in front of us, including crime and and uh, the fentanyl issue and homeless issue. And, and these are these are major issues that need really strong leadership. Zach? Yeah, you know, I've, uh, as I mentioned in my opening, I've had uh, the real privilege in Tucson in my work here um, as an adult uh, I to work across different sectors. And I think that's important. I think a mayor has to understand um, how the private sector, public sector, and nonprofit sector work together. Uh, I was able to co-manage Tucson's largest uh, coffee company, Savai Coffee Market, and be a part of signing the front of the check. As they say, I've been a neighborhood president uh, working with city departments and uh, working with the ward office and the mayor's office and others uh, on housing and transportation and development. Uh, I've uh, grown a nonprofit uh, by 10x in four years called Tucson Young Professionals, working with 21 to 45 year olds who want to make uh, Tucson home. My start in Tucson came from working with uh, the faith community and churches doing community good. It's been a tapestry that has shown me what it means to bring uh, people together to get good things done. Okay, if you realize, and this is for you, Zach, if you realize you can't win and remaining on in the race will just split votes, are you willing to withdraw your effort prior to the ballots being printed? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's one that I have been um, open about with my fellow candidates. Uh, it's been in the paper, so I'll tell you what has been public for months. Uh, you know, I was very clear um, with others in the race um, that if we are going to have a change in the mayor's office, we need to be smart about it. We needed it to be data-driven. We needed it to not be about ego and ambition, but about what the numbers were saying. Uh, and so as this race goes on, uh, I hope that's the dialogue that we'll get to have as, as fellow uh, candidates not running for, uh, for the Democratic uh, nomination, that we will give Tucson its best shot uh, to uh, make a change in the direction that we're steering towards. And I committed from the beginning that I would be data-driven in that decision. Um, and so the answer to your question is yes. Ed? Yes. Short and sweet. I love it. If you win, Ed, what is your first priority? Right after the reception that uh, I have. And, and In the Zach, parade. And Zach joins me at that reception and, and shakes my hand. I'm going to go right straight to the city manager's office, and we're going to get to work on public safety. I believe it's the single most important thing that we do. We do not have enough police officers. Uh, we have a, a good police chief and a, a good esprit de corps building, and uh, things are improving. But we are we are way understaffed, and this is the single most important thing that we face right now. All the other issues in Tucson uh, come from this, and so... Public safety is definitely, uh, police and fire, is definitely the number one issue that the mayor and council need to address, and that would be the, my very first uh, thing that I would do. Zach? 
I mean, obviously, the staffing of our public safety personnel is similarly very high. Just to give a different answer, uh, my my first priority would be to make the budgetary and hiring decisions to grow our planning and development services department, which is about a half to third the size of El Paso and Albuquerque's. And why is that important? I think it reflects, by the way, the nuts and bolts nature of being a mayor, right? It's not to hash out the state and national issues like it has been for the last four years. It's about the nuts and bolts trench work. And so why do I say planning and development services department? Um, they, they are so, so short-staffed that when it comes to zoning changes, when it comes to new business starts, when it comes to permitting, when it comes to getting new housing uh, ready to go, we don't have the men and women in the field to make that happen quickly. So affordability, economic opportunity, all of the big hairy audacious things we want to get done in this community requires a bigger uh, PTSD. Okay. What has the current mayor done that you agree with? Zach? And that's to me, that's to me first. Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. You know, I think uh, keeping it with the theme of the, uh, of the public safety support um, uh, that this show advocates for, you know, I was pleased to see that when it came time to make sure that our public safety professionals in Tucson are paid uh, as close to market rate as we can and that there's a continued promise to keep us competitive with the region and the state, that those decisions were made, uh, making sure that we are paying our professionals what they need to stay here in Tucson is important. What I think is missing is a culture where our public safety professionals feel supported in their work and that combination uh, of resourcing but also accountability and oversight and community investment is the three-legged soul I would focus on. But she did a good job making sure our people are paid. Ed? I would agree that uh, the recent pay hike for public safety officers was a first step in the right direction. It's, uh, its time has been uh, long in coming, and uh, with the, the, the step program that uh, was uh, taken away some years ago needs to be put back into place. And so this is a good first step to try to get Tucson on parity with uh, other public safety agencies in the state and around the country. And so um, as a council, I think that was a a good move. And obviously, it it needed to be done because we're tied to what Maricopa County and the city of Phoenix uh, pays their officers. And it's part of what the charter kind of uh, dictates that we're supposed to be following that kind of market, state market rate. And so uh, a good move, a a needed move, and uh, a required move. Okay. Do you have a first 100-day plan? I do. Again, um, I, I like to. I played football. Uh, my my former football buddy Roberto Villasenor was the police chief here in, in Tucson for many years, and uh, I believe that the, that first hundred day plan we have to do blocking and tackling. And what I mean by that is, is we got to get to the fundamentals of what the city council and the mayor are supposed to be doing. And if you read the charter, which I get did again this morning, it's interesting how glaring the public safety issue is and how it is the single most important thing that we do. Nothing else matters if we can't keep our citizens safe and keep our um, children and grandchildren in the future living in a safe and and, and uh, meaningful meaningful place. And so uh, that first 100-day plan is uh, actually by 2025, I have asked for 1,000 officers and uh, been challenged on that a couple of times of how you're going to pay for that. So we do have some ideas on on how we can uh, get to that 1,000 uh, officers by 2025. In that first 100 days, that's the, the primary focus. Zach? 
I do, and I'll uh, I'll I'll one up it and say I have a one year plan. Uh, you can go to my website zachfortuson.com and you can download the uh, the full one year plan where I look at how do we on day one make sure that we're putting in policies and staffing to make more housing happen for more people to address this housing crisis. Uh, a year one plan to guide our city's economic initiatives office towards uh, strengthening our advanced industry. Uh, opportunities like space and biosciences uh, in Tucson as a springboard for strong small business growth and workforce development and a one-year plan to change course on how we are addressing homelessness um, at scale. So a uh, a one-year plan is in place and I will tell you it's exciting because I think everything on that list I can do within the first hundred days. I can get it done in the first year. It's low-hanging fruit that I don't understand why we haven't touched yet. I'll get it done. Okay, word is China wants to wage war with America by 2025. How will you prepare Tucson for that possibility, Zach? You always start off with me with uh, with the really uh, with the really hard questions. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a that's a great question. You know, I think one of the one of the uh, interesting challenges of running as a local jurisdiction is really understanding. Uh, the lane that you're in, and I think foreign policy, uh, maybe with the border as an exception, is not fully in that lane, but we get impacted by things that happen at a state and national level. So I think it's on the mayor um, to work with uh, local uh, congressmen and congresswomen uh, as we have them to work and have a good relationship with our state government to make sure um, that when it comes to cybersecurity and other things, uh, that we're understanding how state resources can support our work um, here in Tucson. We saw that a couple of years ago. I had the director of cybersecurity on my radio show and it was interesting. So I think it's about collaboration. We haven't had collaboration with our state government in Tucson and that's been a bad move as well. Time. Ed? I believe that uh, working with our state and federal officials, uh, elected officials, is the single most important thing we can do in that area. Um, it seems like we have a contentious uh, arrangement with someone if they're from the other party and so we have a a, a mayor that has um challenged uh, governor ducey over uh issues and i believe it's the mayor's responsibility with the elected official as a, a democrat or republican to work with that person um for the good of the the community i also think that this issue that you're talking about in terms of china is a federal issue and so working with our our, our senators and our our Juan Siscomani and our local Southern Arizona representatives is a working collaboration, regardless of party. These are, are big national and federal issues. Of course, <clears throat> the mayor deals mostly with municipal issues, but with the bully pulpit that a, a mayor would have, work in collaboration and, and have a good uh, working relationship with uh, specifically the governor. I think this is a really important uh, part that's been missing over Time. the last few years. Okay, Ed, we have a serious water shortage in Arizona. What is your plan for Tucson's water future? Well, we have to do a serious look at it. We've got a problem down in uh, by the airport with uh, over three decades of uh, of contamination and cleanup, and uh, been a very tough challenge for the folks that live down there, specifically. Uh, uh, illnesses that uh, could be tied back to that. We have a good example at Speedway and Kolb of the um, water main break. Our our infrastructure underground is in serious need of repair. Some of these pipes and and uh, transmission lines are are a hundred years old. And we've we've got I I call the water the single most uh, untalked about issue in southern Arizona. It's starting to get a little bit more focused. But even last time when I ran, it is the issue that we have to address from an environmental and uh, 
a longevity perspective. And so um, working with, with people like the U of A who are experts in, in water harvesting and, and water uh, reclamation and so forth, we've got to do a better job of uh, building the infrastructure and making a, a plan for water in the future. Zach? Yeah, I, I think that it is uh, becoming now one of the most talked about issues. It will be a major issue of this campaign. You know, it's uh, I think the number I saw earlier this week is that we have about five and a half years of saved CAP water here in Tucson. Tucson water is one of the best water uh, conservers um, in the state. Uh, we know that uh, cuts to the Colorado River and Lake Mead and so on and so forth will impact, unfortunately, Phoenix cities and agricultural areas first. Um, we have to be good stewards of our water, but I think we also talk, have to talk about how we have saved uh, a lot of water and prepared for this moment where drought is going to be a feature uh, and not a bug. But I think Tucson has done a really good job preparing for that future. And so I want to lead a conversation as a mayor where it's not all or nothing. The city council also gave back a lot of our water last year, and I don't know if I would have done that. Okay. How will the future of Arizona's water affect contractors, construction, and new subdivisions? You know, the the current development has to prove um, and make sure that their development aligns with a 100-year um, water supply. And um, I think one of the things that the city council has been weighing is if we go into a Tier 2A shortage, is that going to require cities across the state of Arizona um, to receive less water. And so um, I think what, what's going to be interesting is to make sure that we can find uh, more and more uh, ways to add to our water portfolio. Um, and I think it's going to require developers to also continue thinking with us how their developments can continue to conserve water uh, and use it well. Um, and I think many are, and that's going to be a collaboration with the city. But again, the city has not been the friendliest to our uh, businesses who are creating more housing and developing buildings, we have to we have to improve that relationship. Ed, I would say that uh, you know, coming from the business perspective, as I do, that the impact fees that developers are subject to in building new uh, subdivisions and and housing developments, um, you know, that that is has always been a bone of contention with uh, with council and and uh, the the home builders and the folks that are, are building and trying to, trying to expand the footprint of Tucson, uh, both infill and in the outlying areas. I think it's going to be extremely important that the, um, that the city council uh, encourage, um, obviously housing is, is a huge issue for the city of Tucson, encourage affordable housing, but also encourage uh, infill and growth in that sector. And so water is going to be um, a key to that and making sure that uh, the hundred year problem we have with infrastructure for the water delivery system itself isn't impacted by having uh, a new development so this this is a, a serious issue and i think that uh, um the contractors who are, are time if you don't support law enforcement and need protection are you going to call tpd for a special detail at the taxpayer's expense or hire an outside security company pay for it yourself are you specifically re- referring to the people that <laughs> right now are are uh, driving driving officials around and so forth my recommendation is not to have that special detail i know that that it, that uh, the previous mayor had some issues with uh, security personal security and so that's how it was implemented 
But I knew um, um, Bob Walkup and Lou Murphy and Jim Corbett and Tom Volge and George Miller. Uh, they did not have uh, special details with them. I know times have changed and uh, issues have changed, but uh, it would not be my intent to do that. Let's put those uh, two officers on the street. Zach? Yeah, I, I don't think it's <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think it's either or. Um, I think certainly, and I've made it clear that uh, I support uh, our men and women in both police and fire in in their work. Uh, I think what uh, what Dr. Ackerley said is correct. Times have changed. Uh, you know, as a mayor, I wouldn't be afraid to go anywhere. Uh, I would go anywhere where somebody wanted to talk to me. But I think times have changed. We've seen an increase in political violence. Um, we've seen uh, the lives of our public officials, local, state, and national. Um, no longer be kept private or protected. I don't, um, you know, begrudge anyone, Mayor Rothschild or Mayor Romero, for having a couple uh, of folks around to make sure that uh, no incidents happen. I think it's smart. Um, I don't think it's either or. I would probably keep the detail. I have three small kids, uh, six and under. I want to be around for them. And my wife is a saint. She's letting me do this. Uh, I want to be there for her for the long term. Okay, the news sensationalizes negative incidents involving law enforcement before an investigation. Is it appropriate as a mayor or any public official to take a side and voice that opinion to the community before an investigation is completed? It's a great question, and and I hope we can get into, uh, because I wrote lengthily about this on my website, ZachFORTucson.com, my thoughts on the death of uh, Tyree Nichols and what it means uh, for us here in in tucson you know it was funny when i was a radio host uh my policy was not to jump to conclusions uh my policy was to wait and see how the investigation played out my stance was if there was accountability needed that accountability needed to happen and i think faith in our uh police officers is bolstered when when the community sees something that goes horribly wrong uh, if it truly did, that there's accountability. So I think as a mayor, you have to wait and get the facts. I think in our world, it's so easy to tweet and talk really quick. My stance is, uh, let's understand the issues. Let's make the right decision in the end. But let's be firm about it once we've made that decision. Ed? I would say that it's not appropriate to um, to comment on personnel issues involving police officers uh, prior to the total information being uh, made available to uh, to the chief and to the city manager and then of course to the mayor and council uh, it's tempting to uh, to do that as a, as a uh, a person who's um, <clears throat> being asked by the media and others to uh, make comments and so forth but in good leadership it's it's good to make sure we have all of the information first before we we cast aspersions on an individual or a situation i also believe it's uh, important to hold anybody that uh, needs to be held accountable accountable and that includes uh, the mayor and council for the comments that they make should they be held legally liable for causing damage to a case I don't think we would uh, be able to make a broad statement on that overall, but uh, certainly if uh, if there was a um, situation where somebody said something that uh, um, we we, we kind of have that in, in a case where three police officers were basically uh, told to uh, resign uh, because of a situation that happened. And uh, I don't, you know, if you look back at that, it's, it's easy to look back and see why that happened and, and what was said, but... Um, it's kind of unfair to those officers to not let the this, this system play out and, and give them the, uh, the defense that they need in order to uh, share their side of the story before they're sum- summarily dismissed by, uh, by the union and by, by the, the powers that be. 
Zach? Yeah, I you know I don't want to take up space repeating what Dr. Ackerley said. I think that's uh that's that's where I'm at as well. Perfect. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a minute. Hi, this is Rich Tracy. The Law Matters Live weekly radio show was created to give law enforcement a voice rather than a soundbite. In doing so, we also give our listeners a voice with federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies across the country, the legal community, government officials, and our military. You will hear truthful, up-to-date information valuable to you and your family while contributing to and encouraging safer communities. National media paints all law enforcement with the same broad brush, repeatedly exploiting the most deplorable. These headlines do not represent the majority of law enforcement nationwide, nor do they embody the amazing men and women in our local agencies. Hi, this is Sherry. Law Matters Live Show brings you these extraordinary, dedicated law enforcement professionals every Saturday morning at 8. Please go to lawmatters1030.org and become a sponsor. Let's rise up together and keep our conversation going. We all need your support. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest today is Ed Ackerley and Zach Yenser. They're both running for mayor as independents, and we're just getting some information from them. Some states have a law that requires citizens to actually be aware of the activities around them while walking about in public. If you are not paying attention, the first violation is $250. This has had lowered their pedestrian deaths for a lot of states. Would you consider this for Tucson, Zach? It's interesting. I I would say I'd be willing to consider um, anything and everything. There's very little that I would uh, not look at just out of hand uh, and make a decision on. Uh, it's not something that I've uh, thought a lot about, but uh, I'll, I'll bring it back to Tucson. I think a, a huge reason for the pedestrian deaths uh, is not just people not paying attention. It is the drug abuse uh, and mental health crisis that is fueling. This is by the data, by the way, not an opinion, by the data. A lot of uh, folks who are getting hit in our streets, the reason why our pedestrian deaths are so high uh, is due to more than just not paying attention. So I think that issue is what I look at first in Tucson. Ed? I think behavior of citizens of Tucson is important. Uh, we've, we've got a couple of uh, things that are, are because of the lack of law enforcement, we've got people speeding on uh, Speedway. We've got, um, you know, people walking out in front of uh, buses and cars and stuff because they're amped up on fentanyl and so forth. Um, one 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 law that I think is is really implementable in Tucson is up north. They uh, if someone rolls down their window and ha- hands somebody a twenty dollar bill on the median, the person that gets the citation is the person that handed them the twenty dollar bill, and so they've implemented this program of trying to cut off the source of, of the begging on the medians and so forth by um, trying to correct the behavior of the person that is involved. So I, I would go more in the direction of, of how can we uh, solve behavior of people who are doing things that is counterproductive to the safety of our citizens. Okay, Tucson has a huge homeless issue. Mm-hmm. Some are drug addicts unwilling to abide by the no drugs allowed rule that facilities willing to assist them require. How are you going to get these career drug-addicted criminals off the street? I think it's door A and door B. I think when the police engage them and they are taken down to a transition center next to the jail, 
and they go through adjudication process, um, we shouldn't just let them go out the back door and go right back to where they were on a free trip on a city bus. What we need to do is we need to adjudicate them. If they are uh, someone who needs help and assistance, then we need to get them into those uh, pr- those programs. And we do have a good system in place for that. It's just that they walk in the front door of Kodak and walk out the back door and are not stopped and not made to stay in the program for a length of time. And if they continue to act in a lawless behavior, then door B is is that we need to adjudicate and to, if they're convicted, we need to hold them accountable and we need to not give them a a free ride and say, uh, we're going to let you out. We need to put them in jail and, and, and correct that behavior quickly. Zach? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to note that the 70% increase in homelessness is uh, is due to a couple of different factors, including we're seeing a lot of seniors and young people out on the streets due to evictions uh, and job loss. We have to recognize that as well. We also have to recognize that we are seeing street homelessness fueled by uh, those struggling with substance abuse uh, and mental health. And our current approach <clears throat> as a city is not up to the scale of tackling that. You know, case law of the Ninth Circuit uh, from Boise in 2018 uh, puts a lot of constraints on how cities can manage these challenges without enough shelter in place. We have three times the amount of uh, street homelessness as we do shelter capacity. We need to increase shelter at scale. Uh, My plan is shelter first, treatment and training second to help manage these underlying causes, housing when ready. We have to have more scaled up solutions um, that uh, kind of door A and door B, as Dr. Ackerley said, for uh, helping support. Should the city of Tucson have a no camping within the city limits ordinance? Zach? I, uh, so this is a good question because at one point in time, Tucson did. And, and I'm still trying to figure out um, if that law is on the books. And I think in this moment, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'll just keep this answer short because I hinted at it on accident in the last one. Uh, we don't have the legal authority to do that uh, until we have enough shelter capacity here in Tucson. We have 3,000 individuals a night who are unsheltered. Uh, housing and Urban Development says that 75% of those are left on the street because we only have 800 units of shelter. We cannot solve any of our challenges unless we scale up shelter at scale and close that gap between the 3,000 people a night who need uh, to not be out in the street um, and and the 800 uh, bed capacity that we currently have. That's just not good enough. Ed? I would say that the uh, response to uh, the homeless issue of, of ignoring the camping in public spaces and, and on private property and so forth is an issue that we can address. Um, even though we we might have an overall lack of beds and so forth for uh, overnight sheltering, we do have the opportunity over time to move people out of homelessness and into uh, productive treatment and also into adjudication, into uh, if they're lawless, uh, to put them someplace else other than on the streets. I think we have the capacity and the and the ideas available, and uh, but we, no, we don't have is the manpower. We don't have the enforcement power right now because we just don't have enough people to uh, initiate those contacts in order to bring those uh, those camping areas to uh, to a close and move those people through the process that they need to be moved through. Okay, this was sent in by a listener, so I don't know how accurate these numbers are. The current mayor stated $10 million has been spent on Housing First Project. There are about 250 beds to show for this, about 40000 per bed. Should the taxpayers be in the low-barrier shelter and housing business? 
I don't believe so. I believe that is, I think you just have to listen to Lisa Chastain out at the Gospel Rescue Mission and the HSL Center for for Hope. Um, You know, giving somebody a house who is uh, uh, ingrained in a uh, problem that uh, goes much deeper than, uh, you know, not having a house, just to give them a low-barrier home just creates a situation where they're now in a low low-income, low-barrier home with the same addiction problems and the same issues that they had before. So she is she's very vocal about this uh, low-barrier housing is not the solution. Treatment is the solution. Getting people into the programs that will uh, solve the uh, the issue first and then moving them into a transitional uh, of their house of their own. And not to give it to them forever. Give them transitional housing so they can move from uh, from some sense of uh, of of uh, stability in their lives. Zach? From my knowledge, that number is pretty accurate. And, you know, the Wildcat Inn, for example, was a $3 million expenditure, about 50 beds, costs about 800000 a year to run. The city has used federal funds to purchase four uh, kind of hotel-motel projects. Two are run by the city, two are run by nonprofit partners. Uh, and, and my issue with this, and this was in the paper <clears throat> uh, a couple weeks ago, is the issue of scale. Uh, I think that the city can use funds it receives uh, to make purchases to uh, get some of these facilities that we need. I think we're going to have to when it comes to my plan to scale up uh, interim shelter in Tucson. But I think when we can turn it over uh, to the nonprofit sector and to partners who are better able to manage and execute it, then we should. The city's job is not to do all and be all. It is to set the platform for great partners to do the work. Okay, recently we heard on the news from a government official he wants to raise millions of dollars, raise, um, have an increase in taxes. Hmm. This particular official is millions of dollars over budget. Hmm. I think you're the fiduciary of the taxpayer's money. Can you manage the city within your given budget or are you also a spendthrift? You know, I... Consider my, I call myself fiscally responsible. And, you know, I've gotten to go through the university of the profit and loss statement. Um, I run a nonprofit that has to receive and use resources well. I'm always looking to see what resources do we already have in the budget to get done what we need to get done. And what areas can we shore up and tighten up um, and be more efficient on? to make sure that we're making use of the resources that we have. And I'll tell you that I think one of the things I can do as mayor is set up a city environment where we are creating more resources through sales tax. Uh, The city makes money by more people buying more goods and services from more people. And that is a strong, uh, small and mid-sized and large-scale business ecosystem. That's what creates more resources over time. I'd love to get to a point where we can grow our own resources and not have to cut or tax. Ed? The city of Tucson has a $2.1 billion budget right now. And uh, my my concern is is that the priority over the last uh, 15 years has been to defund police and to uh, take that uh, budget and prioritize uh, things that are not uh, perhaps in the charter and not being uh, um, directed by uh, where we we should be directing them. And so, um, you know, building a new jail for millions of dollars or um, 
going outside of what the established budget is obviously then goes to the the voter for an initiative to uh, get some bonds and to and to do something uh, in that lane but as the mayor working with the city manager who has a 2.1 billion dollar budget we can find the resources to hire a thousand cops by reprioritizing where we spend the money and what we're spending the money on and focus 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 on public safety okay would you consider putting your name on every building or office that you might or might not use a good expenditure of taxpayers money no zach well i don't know if you mean like my personal name or yeah well i don't think that i would offer to put my name on any building but if i did a good enough job where someone wanted to put my name (laughs) on a road or a building i would certainly uh not say no to that in the future if they paid for it okay by not charging all these criminal acts with the homeless people they have become emboldened both verbally combative and physically accosting retail customers because of this customers have taken their shopping elsewhere resulting in hundreds of thousands of dollars leaving in tax dollars leaving Tucson walking away how are you going to fix that yeah my my two phrases on this is we have to bring back compassionate accountability Um, we have to create a community where we are both pro-human but also pro-city and you know for example we have a lot of um, of of treatment and and rehab uh, facilities for those um, who are struggling with substance abuse that are going unused because we haven't figured out this mix of accountability. And I think the challenge is is we don't have the space in our prisons uh, to continue to hold some of these cases. Um, and often uh, jail time alone doesn't solve these challenges. We have to figure out a right balance of, again, providing shelter at scale, treatment and training second, um, where there is diversion and where there is accountability um, around some of these things that are emboldening, um, but are actually solving the problem long term and not just cycling people in and out of the system. This is an enforcement issue. Um, we have an example of a, a store down in the South Quadrant that uh, um, $4 million a year in theft. We have a, a convenience store chain, um, $2.5 million in one thing. 30-pack beer skips is, is a line item in their, in their budget. Why this is happening is, is because these perpetrators, these lawless people, know that they can walk in and take whatever they want, and no one will do anything about it. The stores themselves can't do anything about it because of uh, insurance reasons and, and safety reasons, and we just simply do not have enough law enforcement to track them down and to hold them accountable. So if you know you're not going to get caught, you're going to walk in and do whatever you want to do and walk out. And, and, and I've witnessed it personally myself. We've got to get the enforcement up, got to get the personnel up so that we can arrest these people and stop the lawlessness. Okay, the last several years, only a portion of Tucsonans feel like they've been represented by the current mayor. How will you represent all of Tucson residents? I have a track record of, of being a, a person that uh, listens to all sides and representing that. I run uh, two nonprofits right now. I'm, I'm chairman of, uh, of, of another one, and I'm uh, past president of two others. And so I have a long track record of uh, listening to all sides and trying to uh, manage from the middle, but also hearing the different sides of, of an issue. Um, my track record is pretty powerful. I think what we've have in, in recent times 
in uh, local government is is that there's a one-sided viewpoint that is uh, taking a, a the perspective and skewing it to one side uh, specifically to the left and we need to bring that back towards the middle and I think that takes skill and leadership to be able to uh, talk to uh, both sides and have them uh, come to the middle you have to govern from the middle as a mayor and uh, we haven't had that lately Zach you know, I'll pull from my neighborhood experience and, and working in neighborhoods, but also with chambers of commerce. You're getting to daily connect um, with people who see the world a little bit differently, but you have to figure out how to bring them together to get things done. And I think cities are those safe harbors uh, where we can tune out the political divisions and we can say, look, at the end of the day, whether you're a chamber of commerce or you're a union worker, the priority is housing that's affordable is good jobs that have uh, a wage upward mobility, uh, safe, livable neighborhoods. Uh, I'm running uh, in large part because I am tired of the divisiveness and kind of the singular political focus uh, of the 10th floor. We have to figure out how to bring people together again to, to get things done. And I think my track record of leadership as well shows that I do that on, on a daily basis. Okay, I heard on the news this morning that some people would like to have law enforcement in every school or people carrying guns in every school. What is your stance on that? Well, it's interesting. I think just to be clear, the uh, mayor, unlike other cities where they do, actually doesn't have oversight over the education system. So I'm always careful uh, to really opine and talk about a view that would have a direct implication on the lane uh, that I'm in. Uh, I, I think, you know, taking it for example, I think, uh, you know, schools that have um, school resource officers, uh, I think in the right, done the right way, it's healthy to create good relationships uh, between young people and law enforcement and, and law enforcement early. Um, um, but beyond that, you know, I'm focused on issues of affordability, opportunity, quality of life water, infrastructure, and those are the issues I spend most of my time kind of thinking about. Ed? I believe safety is the preeminent uh, focus of the mayor and council, and uh, I was pleased to to have uh, Chief Kazmar bring back the school resource officer program that was uh, kind of gutted during the previous uh, administration with the police department. And so there are uh, many schools now that, that share a school resource officer amongst different schools. At one time um, in the 70s and 80s, there used to be uh, you know one police officer assigned to each high school. And I think that is something that we probably should move back to. Um, it also helps with uh, education for the students that are involved in that to develop a relationship with law enforcement that is not adversarial, but is actually friendly. And I think that the school resource program is something that needs to be brought back. We can't do that without the proper staffing levels. We're uh, barely covering what we need to cover now, so we need to move to a 1,000 police officers as soon as possible by 2025 so that we can uh, assist in that program. Will you have a youth advisory council if you're elected mayor? Yes, I will have Zach uh, serve on that, uh, his uh, youth and uh, dynamic energy as a young person in the business world and nonprofit world will serve me well. 
I do believe that youth is important. If anybody knows me, I teach at the University of Arizona. I have been there for 30 years. I'm around young people all the time. I'm an advisor for a couple of the, their youth uh, and entrepreneurial programs. And uh, that perspective has uh, really propelled me in, in a really positive way. So I appreciate Jack volunteering for that duty. <laughs> and I also uh, would tap into our great young minds at the University of Arizona, Pima College, and also even into the high schools because they know the problems that Tucson is facing. They're the ones that are going to have to live with it. And I would certainly enjoy that uh, kind of engagement with young people. Okay. Mayor Walkup had middle school up. <laughs> there you go. So, Zach, yeah, I'm not are you sh- volunteering? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> Zach is gonna, not a middle schooler. Come I'm on. to fit into that category. <laughs> Having three young kids certainly makes me feel a little less youthful some days. But, you know, I, I you know, my day job is working with a thousand uh, professionals, 21 to 45 in this community. Again, not middle school. We're the largest in the state of Arizona. Uh, I, I would be very hypocritical if when I become mayor, I don't create a council uh, to create an intergenerational perspective on the challenges and opportunities of our city. So again, I live that every day. I'd continue it as mayor. Okay. You have three minutes for a closing statement. Zach, you're first. Uh, <clears throat> I appreciate that. You know, uh, I I will end uh, like I started. It's interesting to me that the overwhelming majority of the American people uh, cram themselves into the 3% of this country that is urban, that are cities. And uh, why is that? We could live in so many different ways in so many different places. And I've asked that question over the years in my work um, with chambers and business leaders in my work uh, with neighborhood activists and community organizers here and across this country. I've said, why do people come and stay? And then unfortunately, uh, if they do leave, and the answer is always the three same things. I call it the scorecard, affordability, opportunity, and quality of life. Can you afford the cost of living on the wages of good paying jobs near good parks, good roads, good schools, and safe neighborhoods. And by the way, when you flesh out that top 10 list, there's a lot on that list that Tucson has going for it. Great food and culture, great weather, international airport. Uh, I'm in Tucson because I love this city and I love so much about it. But when I look at that scorecard, if that's how cities are graded, as I stated in my opening statement, uh, I'm concerned um, that we are going in the wrong direction on housing affordability. Uh, I think it's one of the key issues uh, of of this campaign. And I think I'm the only candidate either talking about it uh, or talking about um, better ways to allow more people to create more housing for more people and create affordable housing all the way through the spectrum. Concerned by the fact that Tucson is pumping out great scientific and technological talent and patents uh, at a competitive level, but it's not transforming our local economy to be one where we have jobs with good wages that are keeping our young people here. And our 70% increase in homelessness shows um, that uh, in terms of our quality of life, we have a long ways to go. And of course, 2021 was the deadliest year uh, on Tucson's uh, on Tucson city record. Uh, so when I look at the scorecard, uh, we need fresh independent leadership um, to turn down the noise, bring people together, focus uh, on these key issues that make people want to come and stay uh, and stay in Tucson. Now, I'm invigorated <clears throat> by the numbers, by the uh, cross-partisan multi-generational 
uh, campaign that this has become. Uh, I filed in July asking a simple question, is Tucson ready for a fresh, independent voice? And, and when I talked to Democrats, Republicans, and independents, when I talked to people over 45 and under 45, these were the issues that they said were important to them. Uh, and uh, we are seeing a fundraising strength uh, and a coalition strength that I think can push us over the top. And I invite people uh, to uh, to join uh, our movement over at Zach, F-O-R, Zach for Tucson, uh, dot com as we bullishly focus on the scorecard uh, and making Tucson a great place where my kids Time. and your kids can, can thrive. Ed? Well, Sherry, thank you so much for holding this uh, informative session today. And, and Zach, thank you for uh, your good perspective. You know, uh, Bobby Robbins is the president of the University of Arizona, a place where I derive uh, a lot of energy from, both in a second career, but also um, just being around the young people there. When he first came to the University of Arizona, he would uh, go to town halls and he would ask the people that were gathered there what they thought his main responsibility was, and they would answer things such as hire a basketball coach, hire a football coach, raise money, get new faculty, increase enrollments, uh, all the things that uh, you know most people think of that a president should do. He would always uh, bring them back to earth by saying, my number one responsibility as president of the university is safety, to make sure that when you send your child to the University of Arizona that they return home safely to you. I believe that the mayor and council's number one uh, responsibility, specifically in this environment that we're in right now, is public safety. All else stems from that. If we can't keep my wife, my children, and my grandchildren safe in this community because we are understaffed and under-resourced in the public safety arena, we need to stop everything else momentarily and refocus to uh, public safety. And so for me, that is the single most important issue that we can have. Long-term water infrastructure on roads everybody complains about the roads let's get it safe first and then let's begin the process of implementing the bonds and 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 redoing the the neighborhood streets and so forth um the parks are a big issue with the homeless issue and, and fentanyl and so forth that's a that's a, a problem that we have because we're understaffed in the public safety sector and so for me personally i'm in this because i want my wife my kids and my two little grandkids to grow up in a safe, clean city, and we need to get that right first. And then once we get that right, then we can move on to these other major issues that are pressing a growing city. We're far behind our friends to the north, uh, specifically Casa Grande and and even into Maricopa. We're just behind in economic development. We're behind in education transfer to the private sector. We're behind in so many different areas. Um, But we have a problem and the problem is we've got a fentanyl problem we've got a homicide problem uh, 90 93 murders in 21 71 last year we've got seven so far when we're only at uh, the 18th of february we had a shooting this morning uh, near the university of arizona um, we've just got a, a a law enforcement problem and we have to do everything we can to support law enforcement give them the tools and resources and the personnel that they need to make this happen. So I'm running for mayor because those are my priorities uh, and we're going to get that done. Go to ackerleyformayor.com and thank you again for for hosting us here today. Well, thank you both for coming in. This has been interesting. Thank you. I've learned a lot. I hope our listeners learn too. And tell them again, how do you get in touch with you on your website? Yes, Zach for the word for Tucson.com to volunteer, sign and donate. 
Ed? Mine is Ackerley for a mayor, but I also say, give me a call on my cell phone. I'll talk to anybody anytime, anywhere, and I'll go anywhere and talk to any group or individual at any time. I'm 100% available. I've done over 300 uh, activities uh, in the last six months, and we're we're going to just do more between now and Election Day. Well, Jay, do you want to give everybody in the world your cell phone number? <laughs> yeah, 520-850-7058. Call me anytime. All those robocalls, now you know who to call. <laughs> that's, that's okay. I can take those. I thank everybody for being here today and shop local, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Sherry. National media paints all law enforcement with the same broad brush, repeatedly exploiting the most deplorable. These headlines do not represent the majority of law enforcement nationwide, nor do they embody the amazing men and women in our local agencies. Hi, this is Sherry. Law Matters Live Show brings you these extraordinary, dedicated law enforcement professionals every Saturday morning at 8. Please go to lawmatters1030.org and become a sponsor. Let's rise up together and keep our conversation going. We all need your support. KVOI Cortero, AM 1030, the voice of Tucson. Trusted local news and talk. A Bustos media station.